0: Welcome to the Ask the Experts podcast. Here's Karen Bhatia. And thank you so much for joining me. I'm just going to preview the episode ahead. First up, I will be speaking to the president of Showtime Sports and Showtime Boxing. That is Steven Espinoza. We're going to be previewing the Tank Davis versus Rolly Romero fight. We're going to be looking at the upcoming Showtime Boxing schedule. I'm also going to get Steven's thoughts on the current boxing landscape uh, in terms of networks, promoters. We know things are ever-changing, and we're going to get his thoughts. We also talked about Jake Paul and future opponents. Remember, Stephen took the step to get Jake Paul uh, within the uh, Showtime Sports Umbrellas. So we're going to talk about the future plans and future opponents there and possible expansion uh, for Showtime. Does it want to use other outlets? Uh, Paramount Plus, for example, CBS spoke to Steven Espinosa about those. And you'll hear that in my conversation. And then we are on the eve of uh, Tyson Fury versus Dillian White. Tyson Fury, of course, defending his heavyweight championship belt. And I am breaking down the fight and doing a betting preview with Eric Raskin, who writes for U.S. Bets. You've also heard him on the Showtime Boxing Podcast. We're going to go through that fight and look for the best spots for value. It's not going to be betting the fight straight up. Uh, so we're going to look at the odds for knockdowns in specific rounds um, and other things that you can look at to make that uh, a good value, a good bet for you. Uh, so without further ado, let's get into my conversation with Steven Espinoza. Karambatia here at Barclays Center for the Tank Romero press conference here with Steven Espinoza, head of Showtime Sports. Steven, how are you doing, my friend? I'm great. Excited about this one. This fight, we know it's coming up. Tank Davis, Romero supposed to happen last December. It's finally happening now. What do you think fans can expect from this one?
1: Well, look, I I think this is a perfect venue. Um, You know, Tank tries to put on a show. I think that's what his fans like about him so much. It's not just about, you know, going in and winning and doing his job, but putting on a show, the showmanship, the outfits, the entrance, all of that. So you put that in Brooklyn. He's fought here twice before, both world title fights, and the crowd really responds to him here. So I think this is a, a great venue. It's the first time we've been here at Barclays Center in Brooklyn since 2020. And so everyone's, you know, just thrilled. It feels, like a little bit like a return to pre-pandemic force.
0: Absolutely. First fight since 2020 back at Barclays Center. Now, we know uh, Romero's here. Tank Davis is on the way. Is he, is he taking a page out of the old Floyd
1: Mayweather book, you know, make him wait a little bit? Yeah, it, it, it's hard to tell whether it's just... Sleeping in or psychological—it's one or the other, maybe a little bit of both. Yeah. Wanted to ask you
0: about the landscape of boxing right now. For so long, it was two players, HBO, at Showtime. It's—it's it's been a changing, evolving world, and and you've certainly changed with And we can see by the the Showtime Sports schedule that it's not going away anytime soon. There's so many different players. There's streaming involved. What do you think about the the landscape, the way it is now?
1: Well, look, it, it, it's funny—we've come full circle. You know, when when I started here and it's uh late 2011 um you know we were sort of seen as sort of uh, you know one of one of the players but you know definitely behind i think hbo in terms of their legacy and their events um and then you fast forward here and we went from being sort of the underdog to now being the established legacy brand um which is great um i'm certainly not complaining it's just it shows how much the industry has changed particularly over the last five years um and I think, look, competition in the marketplace is, is a fact of life, no matter what. Um, I think for the sport itself, as long as those are people who are coming in with a respect toward the sport and understanding of the sport and not just saying, hey, you know, I'm not mentioning any names here, but we're launching a streaming service. You know, what can we grab that doesn't cost a lot, you know, while we get, you know, other sport rights, you know, and I, and I think there's been some of that i mean i don't think it's a coincidence that after mayweather pacquiao in 2015 and and uh and mcgregor mayweather mcgregor in 2017 that's when you saw a big influx of people you know when you see eye-popping numbers like those then everyone floods in and says oh it must be easy to do that you know let me give this shot i'd love to do 500 million of revenue in one night And so with varying degrees of success. um, But I think as long as there's certainly room for more than than Showtime. And I think a healthy sport would have multiple networks or multiple platforms committed.
0: And I think we know. Who you were referencing there and, and but uh in terms of the changing landscape, you know, we know other players have come in, triller come into the space, YouTubers. One thing you did, uh, you took the step to look at someone like Jake Paul and said, Well, why don't we bring that person into our umbrella? And now he's in the ecosystem of good production value, other supporting programming, right? Mm-hmm. So when you make a decision like that, that that's not a traditional decision. I'm, I'm just curious, like internally, what was, was there pushback on something like that? How did you decide to make that decision and say, hey, let's get these eyeballs, let's get these new viewers into the sport? Because that's definitely a good thing.
1: Um, There was definitely a conversation, you know, because there was a a spectrum of opinions, especially before we sort of opened the dialogue and got to know Jake and his team. Um, And you know, look, there's a range of opinions on him today. There's been a range. He's been in the spotlight for 10 years. But the reality was, uh, I think it came down to two things for us. Number one, making sure he was serious about the sport. You know, we weren't we're not trying to do a bunch of fights with, you know, some legends who retired 15 years ago. Um, you know, this is it's important that he's doing competitive fights and that he's trying to exist within a boxing ecosystem. You know, he wants to elevate other fighters on his undercard. Um, and then the question was, well, you know, does it benefit the sport and our boxing business as well? And the idea would be that, you know, that his his fans would stick around. And that's exactly what we've seen. So I think, you know, sure, it's not what everybody likes, you know, and few decisions that I make are. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, we're not going to be in a position of saying, well, you know, we're just going to keep doing what we've done for the last 35 years and not taken a flyer now and then you know sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't there was risk in the Mayweather deal and that turned out fine um, you know there are upsides and downsides to Jake Paul but I think overall I think the numbers we've seen have borne this out through the efforts of Jake and Logan and a lot of influencers there's definitely an uptick in that young 18 to 34 18 to 29 demo that is following the sport and, and I think that is I think, a direct result of those influencers being active in the sport. I think that's a good thing.
0: Absolutely. And and those eyeballs are translating, right? Fighters on the undercard are getting more attention now. People are continuing to follow their career. In addition, Jake Paul has been vocal about fighter pay and, and has been uh, you know outspoken about that. We talked about the changing landscape and we know that a service like, for example, ESPN has the ESPN Plus, um, the zone we talked about now doing pay-per-view. Uh, with Showtime, um, we knew that a lot of PBC was on Fox before and Showtime. It seems like a lot of it Showtime now. Do you think there will be a push to go to like a Paramount Plus or UCBS
1: and other outlets to expand the expand boxing in the future? I think so. If there's an opportunity there and and uh, it makes sense for us and for the sport, then then I think it's very possible. You know, the real question is, you know, we'd never want to expand to the point just for expanding and get to the point where you're really watering down the product. And I think we've seen that at various points over the last five years, when there've been a lot of platforms aggressively in the market, there's just not enough talent, you know, to do the level of quality that the audience deserves across six or seven different platforms. It just, it's not there yet. You know, it's not the NFL where you can throw on a couple games every week on every different platform. Everyone does well. Um, you know, the sport isn't there yet. So, I think yeah if there's good quality content you know then that deserves an audience then we'll put it on we'll find somewhere to put it on and speaking of social media,
0: you've been active on Twitter, you use your Twitter account. And, and I think there is an appetite there from, from fans of yours to see people in leadership positions, take a stand sometimes if they see something that isn't, you know, what they think is not correct in any world, not just sports, but in politics and anything. And, you, and you've been outspoken and I applaud you for that because we don't often see that in leadership positions in, in sports media. What, what, what was it about you that, that, you know, when there is something that you don't agree with, let's say it's politics or anything that you decide to be vocal about that and, and not, you know, hide behind anything you, you come out and say you're opinion
1: Well, at first, it, it sort of it, it was sort of a brand play. Look, we um, we were we were sort of perceived as and, and probably were the underdog, um, the brand that was struggling for respect. So, look, when you're you're the you know not the dominant brand, in the marketplace, you've got to make more noise. You've got to draw attention. And if you know my little part of it helped draw some attention or communicate our new trajectory. Uh, then, you know, mission accomplished to some extent. But, but I think, you know, I think what we've seen, and especially over the last couple of years, but even before that, is when you have people, uh, you know, who are perceived to be in power, I'm not going to say I have a lot of power, but I certainly have a platform and, and, and access um, to make, to influence decisions. I mean, to me, um, you know, there's a responsibility that comes with that. You know, and a lot of people are saying, well, you know, you get to that point, you keep your mouth shut because, you know, you don't do that at that level. No, I, I think that's the problem with a lot of you know, our challenges, whether it's social justice or diversity or representation or any of that is people get to that position and then they stop being vocal. You know, and to me, that's that's a huge lost opportunity. I mean, it's not just the fact that I'm one of the few senior Latino executives in, in sports media. Um, but that's definitely part of it. You know, if if I'm not trying to push the envelope and open the door to others, then what am I doing? Certainly pushing the envelope, expanding. And that's going
0: to continue here. I'm going to let you go because I know we're starting the press conference here. Tank Davis versus Romero. Steven Esp- Espinoza, thank you so much for the time. Great to see you. And that was Steven Espinoza, president of Showtime Sports, breaking it down. Next up, we're going to get you ready for Tyson Fury versus Dillian White. It is a betting breakdown and preview of the entire card. And we're also going to look ahead to some fights coming up on the boxing schedule and see if there's any value uh, on those. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Eric Raskin. I am Karen Bhatia speaking with Eric Raskin. We, of course, know him as the managing editor, media director for usbets.com. He hosts the Showtime Boxing podcast, Gamble On podcast. He wrote about the moneymaker effect. We've seen your work everywhere, Eric. How are you doing, my friend?
2: I'm doing well. How are you, Karen? Good, good, good.
0: Doing great. And I'm excited to chat about uh, the heavyweight championship of the world, one of the heavyweight championships of the world, because that's how it is in boxing, you know, with multiple belts, as we all know. But Tyson Fury is going to be taking on Dillian White across the pond. Um, and I want to just chat with you, get your thoughts, um, ask you if there's any spots for value. Um, so let's, let's just start off with, with the fight itself um, before we even get into the odds. I mean, obviously Tyson Fury has to be the favorite because, you know, we've seen what he's done with the Wilder trilogy. Um, where do you think each guy is at right now coming into this fight? White did lose to Vivekin but he avenged that. So he's also on the come up. So it's, it's kind of like, it's, it's something we like to see in heavyweight boxing, two guys, you know, on the way up, this isn't a
2: comeback fight for either guy, right? This is not a super fight. It's not Fury versus Wilder or AJ or one of those that we dream of, but it's the next best thing i think the heavyweight division can provide which is the legit champion against a legit contender this isn't you know fury's had a few soft touches along the way especially like right after he came back uh like the schwartz is the one name and safari and some of these guys who didn't belong in the same ring as him that's not dillian white dillian white is a threat he's a quality heavyweight he has quality wins i think the one-punch uppercut loss to Alexander Povetkin is probably more fluky than indicative of of who Dillian White really is. Um, So, yeah, this is a fight that has a clear favorite. There's, you know, there's champion versus contender, no doubt about it, Uh, but it should be competitive. Dillian White is dangerous. He's a quality puncher. We've seen Tyson Fury at least hit the canvas plenty of times. So, yeah, this is what you want in a heavyweight fight, heavyweight title fight that is not quite your two best in the division colliding, but best in the division facing a legit top five or so contender. Absolutely. This is what we wanted. And to your point
0: about some of those guys, I mean, against Schwartz, at least Fury did not come out in the second round. We know he had to go through a lot more when he took on Otto Valen, But again, it was a gutsy win uh, for him there. And um, when you look at White, I mean, White is is really no slouch. I mean, he lost to Anthony Joshua. There's absolutely no shame to that, especially at that time when he lost to Joshua. I mean, Joshua was certainly on the come up. I mean, he looked like he was just going to be unstoppable for a long time. That's that's pre losing to Ruiz, right? And pre-losing to Usyk for Joshua. So it wasn't, you know, it was it was a different different time back then. Um, and then you lose to Vivek and you get caught and, and you come back from that. So, you know, it, to your point, it's it's champion versus challenger, um, but the skill level is not too far off, right? Would, would, would you agree with that?
2: Yeah, I think the name that you mentioned of Otto Valen is probably that's the closest to the level among people who's, whom Tyson Fury has fought. Otto Valine and Dillian White are on a comparable level. And we saw Otto Valine give Fury one hell of a tough fight, had him bloodied, extremely bloodied, won some rounds. You know, ultimately it was clear who won once the doctors and the refs let it go the full 12. No doubt Tyson Fury won that fight, but that was a tough fight. I think White and Valine are, are comparable level heavyweights here. Um, yeah, D- Dillian White, uh, I don't think he quite has the skill to match up with Tyson Fury. If this is a boxing match, Tyson Fury is going to win it comprehensively, but he does have the come forward pressure power. He has that sort of ability to make a real fight of it. If if this is not a pure boxing match, if this is a fight, if they're exchanging punches, anything can happen. and, And Dillian White becomes a pretty live underdog in this.
0: I mean, that's, that's the thing about Tyson Fury. Uh, he can, he can beat you in, in a couple of different ways. And, and we've seen him box and move. And for a six foot nine inch man uh, over 250 pounds, Um, to be able to move the way he does is just, is just insane. But then we've also seen where he uses his size, right? When he had his U S debut in 2013 versus Steve Cunningham, even though he got dropped, he got up and he really leaned on Cunningham. He used that size to his advantage. And in the last two Wilder fights, fights two and three, he bulked up and he said, I'm going to come at you. Um, so it, it, it seems like there's just more in his arsenal and, and White, you know, White can drop you with a punch as well. It's not like he can't knock people out, but it seems like Fury can maybe do a little bit more. Would you agree?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And you you mentioned his his weight. Um, I think that's an interesting factor in this fight because we're chatting a little after the way and has taken place and Fury came in lighter for this. I, I don't have the exact poundage off the top of my head. 264 was, for this okay. fight. I was going to say um, low 260s. Yeah, His we-
0: last fight was versus Wilder, the trilogy was 277. Um, So definitely a, a drop off there.
2: But but yeah, please go ahead. Yeah, which I think I'm certain that's intentional with Fury. He seems to calculate all of these sort of things. He's got that incredibly high ring IQ. He's not coming in at 264 by accident. Clearly, that's by some design that he expects to use his legs a little more. So I would expect a little less of the lean on the guy approach and a little more of the get out of range, be herky jerky, make himself tough to hit. But he, as you said, he can do it either way. Um, I think we were all shocked in that second Deontay Wilder fight by the way that fury fought. We all expected him to box because in the first fight, boxing was what helped him bank all these rounds and exchanging punches is what left him on the canvas twice and almost knocked out in the 12th round. So when he came out in the second fight and he had promised he was going to come forward and knock Deontay Wilder out. None of us believed him. We thought he was just talking. He was trying to confuse Wilder. And instead, he did exactly what he said he was going to do. Um, so but with the weight that he's coming in at here, I don't know that I would expect a similar game plan in this fight, but we know that he can do either. And that if he's struggling, if, if for whatever reason, his plan A isn't working, Tyson Fury is the kind of rare heavyweight who has a really strong plan B and plan C type of option.
0: He's crazy enough to actually do what he says, to give yes. away his game game plan at a press conference and then actually do it. I mean, it's it's absolutely wild
2: um, that, that that's what Brilliant. he did in his second fight brilliant reverse psychology really the sort of the whole princess bride the aya powder he's thinking of what the the other guy is thinking that he can't possibly mean what he says and actually he does mean it
0: it's like a, a high-level game of liars poker <laughs> right um and and you never know which Tyson fury but it seems like he's you know thought about this stuff in terms of the weight. So if he's lower in weight now, maybe that's part of the game plan here. Um, before we get into the numbers uh, and, the, and the odds of that main event, I just wanted to ask you about the undercard. Um, to be fair, it's not the most spectacular undercard we've seen on a pay-per-view. And I think, I think most people would agree with that. Uh, one name that, that is of interest uh, and has been in the news recently is the half brother of Tyson Fury. That's Tommy Fury. Um, Tommy Fury, 22 years old, 7-0. and He's got four knockouts. In this fight, he's currently listed at a minus forty five hundred favorite, so probably not much you can do there. And I I think it's it's also tough because he has knocked a few opponents out, but he doesn't always get the knockout. He's maybe less than impressed in the last few fights, and he hasn't gotten the knockout in the last few fights. Um, Anything you expect to see from from Tommy Fury on this card? I mean, it is a big stage, and now he's past the whole Jake Paul thing. I mean, that could be that could happen again in the future, but. He's, you know, back to you know what you could call a, a regular, normal fight, or whatever, however you want to phrase it.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's a with a big last name that everyone recognizes. Other than that, he is your usual work in progress prospect, getting these opportunities. But um, those odds that you mentioned, uh, this fight to me is an absolute stay away. Uh, I don't see any reason to put money on. Even as you said, the there's some reasonable pricing on will it be a knockout or will it be a decision? But it's kind of hard to pinpoint what we're going to see from Tommy Fury in that regard. I've only seen him fight in full once. I've seen some clips of some other other fights, but the fight on the Jake Paul undercard last summer is the only full Tommy Fury fight that I've watched. And I think like everyone, I came away very underwhelmed. Uh, we went into that fight thinking, this is the the guy that Jake Paul is going to step up against and he's an actual professional boxer. So he should be favored if that fight happens. And then we got to see Tommy Fury and we all came away. You know what? Maybe Jake Paul could beat this guy. Um, I actually kind of hope that fight happens in the sense that I find it interesting. I don't know that there's a clear favorite in that. And so if Tommy Fury wants that payday, perhaps it's still out there. Um, but man, to watch this guy, both the way he looks, his physique, the way he fights, it's hard to believe that he and Tyson Fury came out of the same gene pool. <laughs> There's really almost nothing but that last last name binding these two guys. But yeah, I mean, he, he's a prospect. We shouldn't expect to see a finished product in the ring. If you view him through that lens that we're just looking to see him gradually improve and work his way toward contender status, I, I think you have to set your expectations with him and, and not assume that just because he has this well-known last name, that he's actually a a headline type fighter. He's not yet.
0: He's not yet. He's still trying to make his name in the boxing ring through his own merits. I, I actually think down the line, just as an aside, I think him versus Jake Paul would be a fantastic fight for both guys. It would give Jake Paul, you know, fight someone who's in their prime, same size, who is a, a boxer, uh, by profession. Um, and, and, you know, also for Jake Paul, someone like a Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. Someone like that. But mm-hmm. I still think Tommy Fury, you know, should be in that mix. Um, but let, let's talk, well, I guess it depends on, on what happens tomorrow night. So let's talk, right. let's go back to the main event. Let's look at some numbers here. So, uh, you know, obviously the odds are spread out, but most places you can see Tyson Fury at like a minus five fifty, Dillian white at a plus 400. Um, what are your thoughts on, on those numbers? And also I wanted to ask you, we know, you know, what Tyson Fury has come back from in terms of mental health. I mean, he was, he disappeared basically for many years. Um, He gained, you know, went up to 400 pounds and, you know, he's calling this his last fight. Um, And so I'm just, I'm just wondering about someone who is, struggling with mental health, but then also doing a great job of being an advocate for working hard at mental health and bringing him back to that level. Um, But at the same time, you never really know what's going to happen. And I'm just wondering, like, does that play, when when you're looking at a fight like this and and looking to maybe make a play, does the mental aspect of each guy maybe come into consideration as as you're
2: making your picks? I mean, you should consider everything before putting your money down. Um, I think with Tyson Fury, that was more something I was concerned about his first few fights back, the first Wilder fight. Certainly, we weren't sure what Tyson Fury we were going to get. He was a small underdog actually entering that fight. At this point, we've seen him enough that he seems to be focused. Uh, I don't think his various mental health struggles are impacting the way that he performs in the ring. The retirement point, though, is an interesting one. I don't quite know how to read that. I don't know how serious it is. He has retired once before. And as you said, was out of the game for, I think it was about two and a half years and then came back, um, blew up to 400 pounds in the meantime. Is he actually looking to retire after this fight? Is he going to temporarily retire, blow up in weight again, and then come back? Uh, Or is it just a negotiating ploy? I I wouldn't rule that out that he's, waiting on the winner of the Anthony Joshua Alexander Usyk rematch. If it's Usyk, maybe he's not that interested in that fight and he actually will be retired after this. But if it's Anthony Joshua, I can't see him turning away the the money that would be involved in that. Not to mention it's a fight that I'm sure Tyson Fury is confident he would win. Um, so th- this, this could be a negotiating tactic that, hey, uh, Anthony Joshua, I'm retired. If you really want me that bad, give me the lion's share of the purse and maybe I'll come out of retirement for you. So it, it could be something to that extent. So I'm, I'm not sure how seriously to take it. But just as far as the mental health issues and how they affect the odds and the betting and what I'm expecting in this fight, at this point, I don't see those as a concern if, if you're looking to back Tyson Fury. Um, and yeah, th- those odds... This is not a fight that interests me in terms of betting it straight up. Um, if I had to, I would say I lean toward the Fury side that minus 550 is the lowest price I'm seeing on Fury. I think that's reasonable value um, that I'm, I am that confident that he wins this fight. Um, but to me, this is more a fight where you're looking for some props, uh, method of victory, perhaps a band of rounds. Um, the, two, uh, the, two, the two bets that I have placed are on Fury to win by knockout and Fury to win by knockout specifically in round seven through 12. I found prices at different sports books where I thought there was value on those. The seven to 12 is the one that really interests me because uh, as a sports better, you want to give yourself multiple outs, multiple options, multiple sports books, see what the different prices are and get the best price. And that's just interesting because KO seven to 12 for Fury is anywhere from plus 150 to plus 175 at most books. And then I found one book that had it all the way up at plus 240. And that is just massive value for what I think is the most likely outcome, a a second half of the fight knockout for Tyson Fury. So that's my personal favorite bet is that seven to 12 at plus 240. But there are a lot of different ways to bet this fight. I just don't see uh, a, a whole lot of reason to bet either Fury to win straight up or Dillian White to win straight up. No, you broke it down. Great there. And, and and I just want to say just my
0: two cents about Tyson Fury with the mental health. I mean, he's been an advocate for, you know, people struggling with mental health and he absolutely deserves a ton of props of speaking about it openly, talking about some of the stuff that he does. He said he, he trains twice a day, right. To keep his mental health in check. He trains in the morning and then he needs to train again in the evening. Um, because if he does it, then he feels those mental health struggles coming in. But in a way, you know, if you look at his performance and what he's done in the ring, I mean, it's, it's in a way it's almost been a blessing in disguise, right? Cause if that's something that keeps you in the gym, keeps you motivated, and then you're able to have success in your profession, which he's been able to do. I mean, he's on top of the heavyweight division. Division right now undefeated um so you know that that's worked out for him so i applaud him for for doing so um just just one more question about about Mm -hmm. the whole motivation aspect that we're talking about and the whole retirement A, a big part of tyson fury in terms of you know achieving what he has achieved he seems to be his best and most motivated when there is a huge prize there and what i mean by that is when he fought vladimir klitschko that was an absolute you know massive opportunity now he didn't necessarily do that much, but Klitschko did even less. And that's still saying something that when you go up against a champion who hasn't lost in 10 years to at least have it have more success than that champion does at that time, that that's something that, um, you know, isn't easy to do. Then you look at when he was 400 pounds, he, there's a story about how he was walking. Cause he couldn't even run. And he looked at his phone. And he saw Deontay Wilder calling him out. And that led to that saga, that trilogy uh, where he definitely got the better of Wilder, right. The draw in the first fight and then knocked him out in the, in the next two. Um, the other Part of it was the the you know the cherry on top was the the Joshua you know fight they were at one point had two fights signed so again that was something that you know I'm sure he would get himself up for and be motivated for Dillian White is is a brilliant fighter but in terms of that payday or that status right he's probably not what Wilder was in the trilogy he's probably not what what Joshua would be especially in that fight in the UK for a two fight deal so are you if you were in the Fury camp and betting on Fury, would, would the motivation factor be just something that you're keeping in mind in your head? Hey, this may not be the best version of Tyson Fury because of the motivation.
2: Yeah, you raise some good points there. I think the fact that he is talking about retirement, n- normally we talk about if a fighter is looking past another fighter because he's looking at the bigger fighter on the horizon. This is something different, but he could be kind of looking past Dillian White a little bit in the sense that he's talking about what comes next. Uh, So that is something to be a little concerned about. I think we saw in the third Wilder fight a slightly different Fury than we saw in the second Wilder fight, and motivations almost certainly had something to do with that. For the second fight, he really had something to prove. I don't know that he even really wanted to do the third fight. He seemed to be half-assing it a little bit in terms of his interest in in the whole thing. He went through with it because, because they, they mandated that he had to. so, so we went ahead and did the third fight, but he had nothing to prove. About the way he matches up with Deontay Wilder at that point, and I think struggled a little more in the fight as the result. Uh, as a result, certainly it wasn't as dominant a display as we saw in their second fight. So, absolutely, there's a chance that not that Dillian White is the kind of soft touch that you would expect him to overlook, but the 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 notion that. He might not be 100% motivated for this fight, might not be as up for it as he was for the first two Wilder fights, the Klitschko fight. As you said, this is not on paper a defining fight of his career and therefore absolutely the chance of a little bit of a letdown. His weight suggests to me that he didn't slack off in training. He's not overlooking it from that point aspect, but still, is he as fully mentally engaged in this fight as he has been for his very best performances? I I guess we'll see, but there is reason to be a little bit skeptical of that.
0: And then that actually leads me Into my next question, we're talking about how motivated Fury is for this fight. We're not really going to know for sure until tomorrow night. But something you wrote about on usbets.com is is how Fury is prone to lapses, right? Mental lapses. He's been knocked down a few times in, in big spots. Now, he's to his credit, you know, he's always gotten back up. He's undefeated. Um, but you know, I, I like the way you termed it. You you said price shopping for props. And I think that's, that's the key here. Obviously, if you're looking to make a play now, we talked about the numbers for fury, getting a KO in rounds one through six or seven through 12, you can get a pretty good price uh, for those. And some books you can get plus 240 for seven through 12 for fury to get a KO. And if you look at the way he's trending, I mean, the last two, um, knockouts of Wilder were in that seven to 12 uh, range. We talked about the Otto fight. I mean, that fight went the distance. It wasn't, uh, wasn't a KO, but it did go the distance. So getting rounds in before the knockout happens is, is definitely possible. Um, but we are making the case in a way, like we always do a little bit for the things that could go right for Dillian White, right? We're talking about Fury not being totally up for this fight. Who knows, this is all speculation, but this is, this is why we have the conversation so if you look at white by KO, uh, there's some books that have that as at in rounds one through six at plus 1600, uh, seven to 12 plus 1300. Um, and then there's also something that, that you wrote about both fighters to score knockdowns is as high as, as plus 500 in certain places. Um, and, and if you look at the way that, that Tyson Fury fights, we mentioned Cunningham got up off the floor. Deontay Wilder in the third fight, he got up off the, off the canvas. Uh, the, the first fight versus Wilder, he got up off the canvas. So he does go down, pops right back up. And if he is to win by knockout, that, that both fighters scoring a knockdown bet becomes a lot more appealing. So any value there in the white KO props or the both guys scoring
2: knockdown props in your mind? Possibly. I I view those more as bets you're making for fun to give yourself a fun sweat where it doesn't cost you much. The you know, the was it, I think, 16 to was it 16 to one on the white white in the first half. Right. So if if you wanted to make that bet, for instance, risk $10 to win one hundred and sixty and you've got yourself this really fun sweat for the first half of the fight, the same with both fighters knocked down. Is it likely to happen? No, that's why it's priced at five to one, but it could happen uh, for all the reasons that you said about the knockdowns that we've seen Tyson Fury suffer. Um, So that's that's another real fun one. Those are the kind of bets where you don't want to invest your whole bankroll in in it. You want to put a few bucks in and see if you can get a whole lot of money out. And so I don't know that there's, quite value in any of those because I'm not fully a believer that, that Dillian white is going to pull this off, but the, you know, those are, those are fun ones to take him or, or, or just white to win by knock knockout period is something to consider. As long as you're going to bet on white, chances are, it would be a knockout, not a decision that he wins by. Um, so yeah, there are a few interesting ones there. And actually I uh, just, uh, you got me thinking a little bit with the questioning of fury's motivation that, that could blow up all of my bets because if he's a little bit less motivated, what we might see is something more like the Otto Valen fight where it's, it goes the distance. He doesn't get him out of there. He's content to just, I've got a big lead. Let's, let's just get to the finish line here. Um, in which case all of my knockout bets don't pay out. We shall see what happened. I mean, there's so many question marks
0: and we're going to find out what happens uh, tomorrow night. Um, just to, just to, to close out that main event, Fury versus white, Um, You know, you you talked about some of the the plays that you're making Um, this fight. I mean, in terms of what it could be for Tyson Fury, I mean, it could be life changing for Dillian White. He's 34 years old. Uh, this this could mean everything for him, but at the same time, you know, this is boxing, and we never know what's going to happen. And and part of it too was that White wasn't even fully engaged with this whole promotion. He felt like he wasn't right. uh, being treated fairly at certain points. Um, he didn't show up to early press conferences. He's there now, um, but you know, who knows how that affected training early on? Again, this is all just speculation, and we're all trying to just take all the information we can we can and, and figure out you know the best way to assess what may happen. Um, so to put you on the spot a little bit, you talked about some of your plays, but if you were to give a definitive pick of what's going to happen uh between fury and white in this main event your your official prediction would be what
2: i think i think i'd go something along the lines of fury ko8 somewhat somewhere again a little bit past that midway point that, he, that Dillian White starts to wear down. We've seen him occasionally get winded that, uh, yes, and this is certainly Tyson Fury can can wear an opponent out both physically and mentally. Uh, we saw Deontay Wilder looking just exhausted at a certain point in their in their third fight. So I, I could see something like that, where it's close, it's competitive. They're both having some good moments the first few rounds. And then Fury starts really taking over and White doesn't know what to do with him. And uh, Fury gets him out of there around about round eight. If I had to, you know, if you had to do one of those bets where you just pick one round and uh, take a flyer on it, that, that'd be the one I'd go with.
0: That's always fun, right? That's like playing roulette. Just
2: pick right. that round. <laughs> That's basically it. what it is. Yep. You don't expect to win those, but uh, every now and then you do win one and it makes makes pays off on, on all the ones that lost.
0: Well, it it should be an exciting uh, fight for as long as it lasts. We love heavyweight championship boxing, and and, and I think I'm in the camp of we know boxers retire all the time to only come out of retirement, so no reason to think – that, that won't happen for Tyson Fury, but, but we shall see. Um, one last question before I let you go. I wanted to just look ahead at the schedule here, get your thoughts. If there's anything that sticks out to you as a fight that may have um, a potential spot for value. Uh, I, was, I was just looking through some of the odds and some of the fights coming up. There are a few fights that are, that are closer than others. Uh, Serrano versus Taylor is a mega fight especially for women's boxing to be headlining in Madison square garden. That's a tremendous event. It's been a long time coming for an event of that magnitude, uh, in, in terms of women's boxing. And, and I think we're all glad to see that happening, but it is also a close fight with the odds. Uh, Canelo versus Bivol, I think is also interesting because of the weight difference, right. Going up to light heavy. Um, that'll be interesting. And then there's also the thing about how you want to bet Canelo. Do you think, you know, you're betting knockout or not those type of things. Uh, If Clarissa Shields fights Savannah Marshall, that's another close fight on paper in terms of the odds. And then Usyk Joshua too, I also think is very, very interesting because of the way Joshua has looked in rematches against against Ruiz, right? He was so prepared, so focused. And maybe there is something about when he fought Ruiz, he said... Hey, I need to box smarter and fight a smarter fight, and not engage too much. And that's what he did in the rematch. It's almost like with Usyk, it might be the opposite. He might be like, "Well, I boxed too much, and I need to use my size." And mm-hmm. and so I'm really interested to see what Joshua does in terms of the way that that he comes into that rematch with a different game plan. And with Usyk, obviously everything going on in the world and and his uh, what he was you know fighting for his country in Ukraine and all of that stuff. I mean, obviously that's going to take a toll on your training and and everything that you're going through. Um, so that's gonna that's gonna you know, change his, his preparation for that fight as well. So those are some fights coming up. I'm just curious of if any of those or anything else, uh, any, any of the fights that, that stand out to you and say, Hey, I might make a play here because of this reason.
2: Yeah, th- what's interesting about most of those fights is how closely priced they are. That there is no minus five fifty favorite in any of those, except maybe Canelo. Uh b- because of the Canelo brand name, they they price him a little bit higher than than maybe he should be. Um but yeah, Canelo the one- looks like a minus four thirty ish. three hundred. so yeah so it's a little like, tighter than yeah. Fury White, but it's in that ballpark. Exactly. Um yeah. So the one that jumps out at me that I that I did bet nice and early, um, was uh, Serrano and Taylor. It was initially priced at minus 110 both ways that there was, there was no underdog in that fight, according to the sports books. And I've favored ever so slightly Serrano all along. So I went ahead and bet that. And I also got um, two to one on Serrano by decision specifically, which I do think it's more likely to be a distance fight. Um, it's interesting that the odds have moved a little. Um, it's still unbelievably close for a boxing match this is no none of that minus uh minus 4500 tommy fury kind of stuff going on here she's like minus 130 now and taylor's like plus 102 um so i do like the serrano side in that fight although at minus 130 i'm not sure if there's value anymore like there was when it opened but that one has my attention and the other one that is coming up that uh, has really close odds i don't know exactly what the latest are but the uh, Charlo Castaño rematch is another one of those fights where nobody should be more than a two to one favorite. They should both be in the one hundreds uh, on that one. I would imagine it looks like
0: Charlo one, minus minus one thirty, uh Castaño plus one Oh four kind of in okay. that world. Yeah. So that's
2: basically the exactly where Serrano and Taylor is right now with one, one, just a very slight favorite over the other. So those are the kind of fights I love because we don't get them enough in boxing. We get way too many of these 20 to one favorites uh, and and even, even Fury White is a good fight, but it's the, the sort of fight where there is a very clear cut favorite, certainly. It's fun that coming up on the schedule, we have three or four of these fights that are really close to coin flips. And so that's uh, Usyk Joshua being another one. Um, so that's, that's great stuff to look forward to on, on the calendar, certainly, whether you're a fan or a better.
0: Absolutely, and Cambosis Haney another close one.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and, and to your point, I think it's, it will be interesting to see Serrano Taylor. I, I was up close seeing Serrano knock out Bermudez with the body shot, and we, we she has power, especially going to the body. But against an opponent as skilled as Katie Taylor with that output, I mean, it's it's definitely going to be an exciting, interesting fight. And uh, I I understand why you bet the decision on that one versus the uh knockout um but to your point i mean it's a good time to be a boxing fan because we have these close matchups right that's what we want right we want we want good entertainment and we want what you know well-matched fights and that's what we have going forward uh and it starts tomorrow with uh dillian white versus tyson fury i'm definitely excited to check it out i may have to do one of those roulette bets we talked about (laughs) that seems like that seems like the most fun just uh, all. just
2: only bet what you can afford to lose Curran. that's all i'll say
0: uh, good, to, good. Yes. Great reminder, as always. <laughs> Eric Raskin, I want to thank you so much for the time. People can check out your work at usbets.com. They can listen to you on the Showtime Boxing Podcast, the Gamble On Podcast. Thank you so much for breaking it down and uh, hope to, to chat with you again soon, my friend. Absolutely. My pleasure. Great talking to you, Karen. And that brings us to the end. Thank you so much for joining me and thank you to my guests. If you want to follow us, uh, you can follow at a t e underscore podcast that's on instagram and twitter if you want to follow my personal channels it's at c u r r a n b h a t i a on instagram and twitter that's at karen at on instagram and twitter please subscribe on youtube youtube.com backslash karen batia Uh, Please check out uh, our show on iTunes, hit subscribe, give us a five-star review. If you want to email the show, it's asktheexpertspod at gmail.com. I am Karan Bhatia, and this was Ask the Experts. Thank you for listening to Ask the Experts with Karan Bhatia.